Hello, Space Coast. Welcome to Florida Today's special podcast covering the results of the 2018 midterm elections. I'm Isadora Rangel. I am Florida Today's engagement editor. It is 1 a.m. on Wednesday as we're recording this podcast. You might have heard already that Ron DeSantis is Florida's new governor and current governor Rick Scott has won by a razor-thin margin against U.S. Senator Bill Nelson. Again, those results are as of 1 a.m. on Wednesday. I'm going to have two conversations during this podcast. The first one is with John McCarthy, his Florida Today's Investigations Editor, and he has been covering the U.S. Senate race and also following Florida's governor's race. The second conversation is with Dave Berman. He is our government editor here at Florida Today, and we're going to discuss the results of the top Brevard County races. And we're also going to talk about those 12 constitutional amendments that were on the ballot that I'm sure a lot of people had a really hard time understanding. Actually, only one of them did not pass, and it's very interesting that that's actually the one that didn't pass. So to open our podcast, here's my conversation with John McCarthy. John, Rick Scott seems to have won by a razor-thin margin, right? That's right. As of, I said, almost 1 o'clock in the morning here, uh, Scott's campaign has declared victory. They've got a lead of about 55,000 votes out of more than 8 million cast. There's still nine precincts out in Palm Beach County. Uh, Nelson hasn't officially conceded the race, even though he has done so kind of informally. His campaign manager uh, told uh, the handful of people that were still at his victory party or his watch party that this wasn't the outcome they wanted and that Nelson would make a full statement tomorrow. But Nelson hasn't officially conceded at this point, but it seems- You mean later today, because it's almost uh, That's true, yeah, totally, to, yeah. He'll, he'll, do, he'll concede later today or make a statement later today, but appears to have conceded even if he hasn't done so officially. Uh, the margin of victory is just outside the, the one half of 1% margin that would have uh, dictated an automatic recount. Right now, he's got a lead of about seven tenths of one point. That could change a little bit as those final, uh, final precincts are counted, but doesn't appear likely. And John, I think we're all trying to understand this. The polls showed Nelson leading, although by, by a small margin. There was one poll that actually showed him leading by seven points. Mm -hmm. The same thing happened with Gillum and DeSantis. Obviously, until we dig um, through the data, we're not going to know exactly what happened. But what is your sense of what really happened that both these both Republicans, Gillum, um, sorry, Ron DeSantis and Scott pulled off wins? Uh, well, if you look at most of the polls, most of the polls had. Nelson with a with a a lead, but in most of the polls, those leads were within the margin of error. So it was basically a statistical tie coming into this. Um, there was an incredible voter turnout, uh, apparently on both sides. I think you know Donald Trump obviously had been campaigning here a lot for Ron DeSantis in the in the governor's race, not as much for Rick Scott, a little bit for Rick Scott, but mostly for Ron DeSantis, who was his kind of hand-picked candidate, and I think that had a lot of influence on getting the Trump supporters out to the poll, and they voted uh, R right, right down the ballot, apparently. And uh, Rick Scott and Donald Trump were really close, but during the campaign, Rick Scott tried to 
distanced himself from Trump. He didn't see them campaigning together, although Trump did campaign for Ron DeSantis. Right. Was and that a good strategy for Scott? It seems that Trump has actually helped um, with. Well, I, I, I think I think it spilled over. I mean, I think even if even if Scott wasn't spending as much time campaigning with. Uh, with the president, I mean, I think the fact that the president was pushing for Ron DeSantis, that spilled over to other Republican candidates. Now, granted, also Rick Scott has been spending a lot of the last month too dealing with the hurricane damage up in the Panhandle, so that's been taking him, took him off the campaign trail a little bit. And this is uh, for Bill Nelson. He has been in politics and an elected official for decades. Mm -hmm. He's uh, before he was in the U.S. Senate, he was in. He served in the Florida legislature. He was the uh, insurance commissioner back when we had one. I mean, what is your take? Bill Nelson is a local guy from Brevard County. What does he do now? I don't know, to be honest <laughs> with you. I said he spent most of his uh, his life in public service. You know, he's been, besides Florida legislature, was a congressman, uh, famously the congressman who flew in the space shuttle you know, back in the 80s uh, as part of the Congress, congressman in space, uh, the, ins the insurance commissioner in the 90s, and then had for the past uh, 18 years has been uh, the U.S. Senator from Florida. So at, he is, I believe, 70, I want to say 72 years old. He's in his 70s. I'm not sure he's going to run for office again. We'll see. And, uh, and uh, although I think people distrust polls, the polls were right that uh, Democrats have retaken the House, the U.S. House, mm -hmm. and Republicans have maintained control of the Senate, and obviously Rick Scott's victory helps, but we have also seen victories in, in Missouri and North D Dakota. Uh, do you think Scott is going to be aligned with Trump's agenda, given that their proximity and they're actually, they're actually friends? Oh, yeah, no, I, I, think he, I think he will be. I think he'll be a firm supporter of whatever policies uh, the president wants to have the Senate uh, pursue. Now, having said that, that isn't, he's, those, those same policies will not be pursued in the House. So I think we're going to see gridlock for the next two years. Yes, and a lot of uh, investigations into Trump's dealings and, um, and you know, I think the, the Democrats in the House are going to come down very hard on Trump. So we're going to see my prediction is two, at least two more years of bitter divisiveness. Oh, absolutely! In because with now that the Democrats have control of the House, that means they will also have subpoena power. They will have all the committees. They will have the majority in all the committees. Will have subpoena power. Look for early on for them to to try to subpoena the president's tax records. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And although they the Democrats retook the House, this was a devastating upset for them or a defeat for them here in Florida. They lost uh, the governor's mansion, the U.S. House, uh, all the cabinet positions went to to Republicans as well. I mean, I wonder how will how will they recover before 2020? You had 2016. Hillary Clinton seemed poised to win, and then again we see the same thing. Well, we. Once again, look at, at, at both the governors and Senate races. They were extremely close. And this is the way top-of-the-ticket races have been going in Florida for the last several election cycles. I mean, Rick Scott has won, has run for office three times in his life, twice as governor of Florida and once for a U.S. senator from Florida. He's won all three of those races by less than one percentage point. It is not 
an overwhelming mandate for 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 either him or uh, for uh, future Governor DeSantis. But they did win. You know, you win by one vote, you still win. And what were your main takeaways of tonight? My main takeaway is that it's all about turnout. Uh, polls are good indicators. There are ways to, that people use to guide, you know, where to see where an election is going. But again, it's it's up to who shows up at the polls and why voters who over who support Trump seem to be doing a really good job mm -hmm. showing up. And in, in the in the end, is what that matters, right? And that's what does mean turnouts win elections. And and even though this was a tremendous turnout for midterm election, there's still hundreds of thousands of voters who stayed at home. Exactly. Well, John, thank you so much, and good luck covering more stories about this U.S. Senate race. Thank follow -ups. you. Now, here's my conversation with Florida Today's government editor Dave Berman about the results of the top races in Brevard County and constitutional amendments. Welcome, Dave. Well, thank you. So, Dave, you and I are going to go over some of the Brevard County results. We saw uh, maybe a couple of surprises, but a lot of results that were expected and very quintessential Brevard County. So, I want to begin with um, the congressional race in District 8, the incumbent Bill Posey won fairly easy, 60% against uh, Democrat Sanjay Patel. Um, this was basically the first time that Democrats put up a, quote, real challenge against Posey. Um, what is your analysis of this race? Well, I think um, Sanjay Patel ran a pretty aggressive campaign, and he raised a, a large amount of money for a, a non-incumbent who's running against a five-term incumbent congressman. Um, he got a lot of money from individuals. He didn't um, try to get money from PACs, and he decided not to pursue political action committee funding. He did get some union support for, from, for his financing, but Bill Posey did get, um, get PAC money, and he did get um, more individual um, contributions as well. And it was, um, it was a hard-fought race, but the margin of victory for Bill Posey was pretty substantial anyway. Yeah, it's a heavily uh, Republican-leaning district that um, I think a lot of outside analysts would say Democrats would never have a chance to win. But it seems that b he won by uh, almost 20 points. It seems like it was pretty much a wash for Bill Posey that Democrats might not have even come close. What have you heard from people on the ground? Obviously, those are just anecdotes. But what have you heard about you know the type of challenge that Sanjay represented? Well, I think um, he was um, out there campaigning pretty strongly. Um, what we've heard from some Republican officials, though, was that, um, first of all, this district is um, Brevard County, all of Brevard County, all of Indian River County, part of Orange County, very small part of Orange County. Brevard and Indian River, very heavily Republican area. Um, and some of the Republican Party leaders in Brevard said they thought that the Democrats really were running two far-left candidates, not going towards the middle, and they thought um, if the Democrats had any chance of winning, they shouldn't run a, a left-wing candidate like they felt um, Sanjay Patel yeah. was. And Sanjay supports, for example, Medicaid for All and a very progressive platform. But I, I want to move on to County Commission District 2, 
Uh, Brian Lober won with 57% against Victoria Michener's 43% uh, roughly. Uh, Brian is a Republican. He came into the race very late, right before the primary. He beat a former Commissioner Chuck Nelson, very well known in that district. Brian Lober has a, a different style of campaigning. He was very aggressive, ran a lot of attack ads. Um, and there was some money being poured into Victoria's campaign and a support from the business community. So what do you think happened? He was just said the voter registration numbers just, um, you can't beat that. Is that, what do you think happened? Well, um, that district, like all of the five county commission districts, is um, leans to Republicans, more Republicans in each of the five districts than Democrats. Um, Brian Lober, like you said, came into the race one day before the qualifying period ended. And um, he ran against um, a two-term former, former county commissioner who had served two terms, eight years in office, Chuck Nelson. And he did run an aggressive campaign. And he, one unusual thing about his campaign was he used all his own money for the campaign and didn't um, rely on contributions from outside, any, anybody from the outside. Chuck Nelson did get a lot of um, campaign contributions um, a lot of people um, in the political the Republican establishment supported um, Chuck Nelson, but um, Brian Lober did win by um, a good margin and um, I think surprised some people by winning the primary. In the general election, Victoria Michener was, um, like Brian Lober before this year, was not that well known locally. She um, was a former county employee, but um, like Brian Lober, never ran for public office. And she had um, strong support from the Democratic Party, but um, couldn't overcome Brian Lober. Um, he was pretty aggressive in the campaign and um, and won, won by a good margin there. And also on the county commission, a, a Republican incumbent, Kurt Smith, won very comfortably with 62% in District 4 against Democrat Matthew Fleming. Again, again that's not a surprise given how um, Republican that district is, but I want to talk about another race that was we were really following during the elections, which is Florida House District 53. The Republican incumbent is Randy Fine. He won with 55% of the vote, and Randy Fine has been a polarizing figure in Brevard County. He has um, interfered with some of the county commission business. Um, he wrote a letter when the school board appointed a new superintendent saying that they should reconsider that decision. He um, is a, He's very active on social media. Some Republicans don't like him, and the Democrats seemed to think that they might have a chance against Randy Fine, but Fillmore, their candidate, lost by an 11% margin in a district that is the most Democratic-leaning district in Brevard County in the Florida House, although it's leaned slightly Republican, right? Right. There's, um, this is um, a district that is um, South Brevard and includes much of Palm Bay, which is um, more heavily Democratic. The, the overall district is slightly more Republican than Democratic, but it is the closest um, this four state legislature or state house districts that are within Brevard County and this was the most evenly split between Republicans and Democrats. Um, one issue that um, that um, Randy Fine brought up was Phil Moore's past driving record, and that was uh, an issue that um, became a subject of some mailers, and it kind of helped derail Phil Moore's 
campaign where he had to answer, um, he had played on be defensive about defending his um, multiple speeding and other driving related tickets. And he also was a candidate that was not that well known locally before he started running for office. And also he was not that well funded. Um, and Randy Fine, being an incumbent, um, did have money from his previous campaign that and he did. And a lot of outside money as well. Yes, and um, also support from outside um, political committees. And uh, one last thing is we saw a lot of Democratic energy in Brevard after Trump's election. They reorganized, new members, new energy, a lot of ground game, knocking on a lot of doors. Uh, what were the results for the Democrats? It seems they picked up the seat in, in, on the school board. Cheryl McDougall in District 2 won with 52% um, against Charles Parker with 48%. She is a newcomer to Brevard and she won. Um, I think the other Democratic highlight was in Palm Bay where Kenny Johnson won. He's 26 years old, uh, new to politics. Um, but other than that, I think there was a race in Cocoa uh, for the city council that they also won. These are all nonpartisan races, but Democrats cannot pull off a win in any partisan races. I mean, does it seem to you that these efforts were in vain? Well, I think um, one thing that was different this year than in past years was the Democrats did field candidates in almost every um, election this year. And in past years, there were, there were m many um, state legislature races and other races um, where the Democrats didn't even have a candidate. So they've made a gain that way by at least running candidates. But um, I think they're disappointed now that the races, they didn't win more of the partisan races and the races where they had candidates, the, the really wasn't that close either. It wasn't like within one or 2% of victory, it was 10% or more in most of these races. Yeah, and uh, the, they're the Democratic candidate in the other school board district, that was District 5, also lost. Uh, that was Kelly Demerol. She was running against Katie Campbell. Um, so there was another loss there. Um, also, in the Florida House, uh, Tyler Soroy won against former Cocoa mayor. Mike Lay, Tyler Soroy, is a Republican. He got close to 50% of the vote. Again, also a Republican-leaning district. No surprises here, right, Dave? Right, and um, so the net result really in the state legislature is all six of the state legislators that um, represent part of Brevard County were Republicans before and they're Republicans now. Same thing, five county commissioners and um, the port commission, there was one contested port commission race and that went to a Republican as well. All right, so now let's talk about the amendments. Uh, there were 12 amendments on the ballot, um, and it seems to me, well, all of them passed with the exception of Amendment 1. And I am surprised by that. Amendment 1 would create a third homestead exemption uh, for the values, the assessed value of, of a home between $100,000 and $125,000. According to our results as of the recording of the, this podcast with 99% of precincts reporting across Florida, Amendment 1 failed. Um, you and I were just talking about uh, this campaign the local governments launched explaining to voters the impact that this would have on local governments' budgets and maybe they might have to cut services, might have to raise the millage rate. Obviously, we don't know what every voter thinks, but what is your guess on why this failed? 
Well, I think um, maybe people started to realize that if the, this amendment passed, then, for example, in Brevard County, the county government would have to would be losing $12 million from the county budget, and they would have to either find a way to cut services or rearrange things to make up for that $12 million, and it could have meant, um, you know, um, cutting back on parks or libraries or other services, and maybe enough voters thought that's not a good thing, so we're going to vote against it. And remember, the um, amendments need 60% approval in the state to pass, so that's a fairly high number to get to. So exactly. The more than 50% of the voters say, well, I did a support the, that amendment, but it doesn't seem like it's reached yeah, the 60%. Yeah, it, it, it came close. Uh, as, of, uh, as of the recording of this podcast, Amendment 1, uh, yes, had 58.1%. Uh, uh, again, with 99% of precincts reporting. But now I want to move on to Amendment 4, which restores voting rights for felons who have fulfilled their sentences. It excludes felons convicted of murder and sexual offenses. Uh, a large campaign across the state. This was put on the ballot by petition. A lot of attention nationwide. Support from the, the conser conservative Koch brothers to Ben and Jerry's. So very um, interesting um, you know, uh, array of supporters here. It passed with 64% of the votes. Uh, again, restores votes, votes, uh, voting rights for felons. Now, the top performing amendment was Amendment 12, and I'm not surprised. Basically, it creates a lobbying ban for elected officials and people who work in state agencies. They cannot lobby for six years after they leave office. Any surprises here that voters don't want? people taking advantage of their, their office? Um, I think um, that's one that um, a lot of voters were supportive of, and I think um, they feel if um, somebody's an elected official, they don't, um, when they leave office, they don't need to become a lobbyist. They could, there's a lot of other jobs they could do, and they don't want this revolving door that um, people serve in elective office, and then they become lobbyists, lobbying the same people who they used to serve with on the, on the legislature. And another top performing amendment with 71% of, of the votes was Amendment 3, which uh, is called Voter Control of Gambling in Florida. It basically says if you want to expand gambling in Florida, if you want to open slot machines or, or whatever, you have to have a statewide referendum to approve that. Um, there was a large campaign against it. Basically, if you want to open, if Melbourne wants to have slot machines, it needs approval from the entire state. It makes it very hard to, to expand gambling. And I know we're running out of time. Another amendment that passed that was very popular was Amendment 13, which um, got uh, close to 69%. Uh, ends Greyhound racing in Florida. Melbourne has a, a dog track. It's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen to them. Right, I mean, it's, uh, but it is a dying business for them as well. Right, and the, um, the track is really operating mostly to allow the, there's a card room, a gambling card room in the track, and the rules now state that you have to have some Greyhound racing to allow the card room to exist. So it's really the card room that is the business there. The Greyhound racing is just a um, thing that doesn't, um, really attract anybody to watch the, the races or bet on them. And if you want to see the results on all the all of the 12 amendments as well as our six 
local referendums, make sure to access floridatoday.com. Dave, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. That's it for our special I Am Brevard election results podcast. Be sure to check floridatoday.com for the final results of all the state and local races, amendments, and referendums. Thank you.